0: My name is Richard. I'm privileged to serve as one of the elders here, and it's always a great privilege to have the opportunity to bring the word of the Lord. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord today. The Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was just thinking glad doesn't necessarily mean happy. So, you know, we come to church on Sundays, bringing different things with us as they come. Today, I'm bringing a bit of a cold with me. I I was all good to go. Friday night, I woke up in the night and went, oh dear, this isn't good. And so through the day yesterday, it was a bit of an adventure going on and then I prayed for 24 hours for healing and I got healed sufficient. So I don't know what'll happen at the end of this morning whether that'll be it and the voice will be gone. That's why Karen was praying about that. Um, So just taking a a brief intermission this morning from our uh, series that Pastor Alvin's been doing. Those of you who are old enough to remember when films, movies, came on reels, on projectors, and there was two, and you had, you know, the intermission, this is the intermission, so hopefully, probably better than those intermissions were. Um, once we get, we, we get into the message here, some of you may think that the cold has gone to my head, and I'm a bit confused over what time of year it actually is, because this may this morning come across uh, as a bit of an Easter message, and you're like, Richard, it's, it's not Easter yet. Um, Well, I was in Walmart yesterday, and the Easter eggs on the shelf say it is Easter, so uh, we'll we'll go with Walmart says it's Easter, and and it's not really an Easter message, but if you think it is, that's okay too. Um, The other bit that you should know is, if any of you are familiar with Tony Campolo or Tony Campolo fans, or not Tony Campolo fans, that's fine too, uh, Tony has written several books and one of them was called, It's Friday, But Sunday's Coming. Uh, and that actually piggybacks off uh, a message that was preached by uh, a gentleman called Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. I don't know what his parents had against Abednego, that they didn't put that in there as well, but um, I think if you Google it online, I think you can find it in in audio form. I don't think they had movies back, probably, no, that's not quite true, but I don't think they videoed stuff back when, when he first did it. I think it only goes for about three and a half minutes. It's Sunday, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. This may sound a little bit like that, it's not. I'm not plagiarizing that message, but certainly it's something over the years I have, I have wandered through in my mind. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming, so uh, we're a little bit of a inspiration perhaps from that as we go. It's Sunday, it's Sunday, it is actually Sunday today, yes. We're gonna, we're gonna start talking about, so we're gonna press that twice, there we go, Peter. Uh, there's characters in the Bible that, that I, I kind of I like and characters that I, I kind of, not so much, and there's ones that I see myself in and ones that, that I don't or don't want to see myself in. Peter, I, I kind of see myself in, in him, not in, probably in all the bad ways, not the good ways. Um, Peter's really cool because, you know, he's not afraid to speak out. Um, and and but, but I see myself because there's times when, when Peter spoke out in the Bible and, and he really didn't quite know when to shut up. Um, I find myself that way, somehow I'm just looking at Chad down here, and he probably says, yeah, had board meetings, that sometimes, Richard, you should shut up more. So, uh, so Peter, yeah, he's, he's not afraid to speak out, doesn't always know when not to speak out. Similarly, he likes to move, likes to be in action, um, but, but doesn't always recognize when it's time just to, to not um, but if you're, if you're new to the church, coming back to the church, you're, you're just trying to figure out who this Jesus person is and what this is all about, you may not really know who, who Peter is uh, in the Bible. He, he starts out as Simon, and then he becomes Peter, uh, the rock, Yeah, long before Dwayne Johnson, Simon Peter was the rock. Uh, and, and we're going to take a bit of a journey here this morning through, through some of the stories in the book of Matthew. Now in, in the Bible, as some of you know, some of you not so much, there's four parts of the Bible that tell the story of Jesus' life on earth. There's Matthew, Mark, there's Luke, and, and there's John. Um, Mark may well be Peter's version of, of, time, of Jesus' time on earth, but, but we're going to look at the book of Matthew. Um, so if you're trying to, you know, afterwards figure out where exactly I was going with all this, you should, you know, find yourself a Bible and you're like, well, how easy is that? Well, that's actually one's being given away in the back I see this morning. So if you don't have a Bible and you're here with us, you you can just take one on the way out. If you feel a bit something about doing that, then if the person sitting beside you looks like they kind of know what's going on, ask them for their Bible and they'll give it to you. I I know they will because that's, unless it's their very special one, in which case I'm sure they've got a spare one at home. They will make sure to get to you. Yes, all of you member kind of people, I've just given your Bible away to somebody who needs it more than you do perhaps. you can also, you know, there's apps on your phone. You can, there's lots of free Bible apps. You can also just Google Book of Matthew and, and it'll pop up and you can read the whole thing online. And if you're already freaked out because I'm saying read a book, um, it, it's, it's, it's not that long, okay? The Book of Matthew, the, the part of the Bible. Uh, I, di- I just did some quick Googling. The Book of Matthew is only about a quarter of the length of an average mystery novel. So if you're into mystery novels and stuff, then you can do that. If you're more into the, the J.K. Rowling kind, kind of book, um, then the book of Matthew is only about four chapters the length of a J.K. Rowling, so if you've made it through one of those, or uh, you know, if you're a, an older person into Tom Clancy, his books grew and grew and grew, so as, as, yeah, it's, it's not actually that hard to get through. The first three chapters of Matthew, they kind of cover Jesus' first sort of 30 years on Earth. Man, it just goes by. Uh, when, when you start into it, if you haven't read it before, the first part of Matthew might, might seem a little bit boring because it talks about who his grandparents were and his great grandparents and his great, 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 great grandparents were. Uh, it, long before 23andMe was a thing, we know where Jesus came from. Um, and, and it goes through um, his birth and those sorts of things. And then we kind of get to chapter four. And chapter four is sort of where we start reading about Jesus referred to as ministry time here on earth. And, and between sort of chapter four and maybe the end of chapter 25, give or take in there, that, that period covers about three years when Jesus was, was walking around uh, in, in around Israel and, and preaching and, and doing the things that Jesus did. And, and Peter shows up in, in chapter four, I think for the first time. Uh, and, and we said, you know, Peter is, is one of those guys, you know, he just kind of acts and stuff. And so Jesus comes along and there's Peter at the beach doing stuff because he's a fisherman, so he's doing stuff with his nets and his boats, whatever. Uh, and, and Jesus says to him, come follow me. So... Uh, a couple of weeks back, Jennifer and I were, were on, on holidays together, Jennifer's my wife. Uh, we, we went away, it was our 30th anniversary trip, we'll be married 34 years this summer. Um, what happened? Well, in the year of our 30th anniversary, two of our children decided to get married, so all the vacation money went to weddings. Uh, and then there was this thing in 2021-22 that kind of made it difficult to travel places. So, so we, we were at the beach a couple of weeks back we timed it just great it was when winter returned to alberta you were at -28 and i was at +28 gosh it was a shock coming home but there was guys on the beach fishing on the beach and and i was thinking as i'm walking along the beach right this is like peter said he sort of wasn't doing that and he said jesus comes along and says peter come follow me and and what does peter do and follows jesus and I thought, man this guy is impulsive I'm thinking, hey, what would I do? You know, there I am, I mean, I, I fly airplanes and Jesus says, leave the airplane. I'm like, dude, that's a lot of cash. It's not the staff. this is, right? So, I'm, I'm thinking of subway too, right? So, so imagine that you, you're, you're on the subway and there you are, you're doing your thing with the staff and Jesus walks through the door and says, hey, follow me. Hat off, apron off, out the door and the staff are going, And, and that's what it says. Peter just, he, he and followed Jesus, just a bit impulsive as he goes. Over the next sort of 10 chapters or so, there's a lot of stuff that happens, a lot of stories that are there in Matthew. It talks about the Sermon on the Mount. That goes for quite a period of time. Jesus is preaching a lot in that time. Uh, there's also the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000. It's interesting, right? So Jesus has been teaching and the people are like, wow, this guy's really easy to listen to. And so they're there and it goes day after day after day. And um, sorry, not day after day, after hour. He's, he's there for a long time. And it gets towards, you know, late in the day and Jesus is like, these poor people haven't eaten anything. So he calls the 12 disciples over and he says, hey, you should feed these people. And they're like, what? What exactly would you like us to feed them? One of the disciples finds this young person. We got some young people here in the front and mom had, had provided one of them with a lunch. And, and it says they had five loaves and two fishes. Now, we were at Costco yesterday, too. These five loaves are not Costco five loaves, right? These are probably little buns because it's the little boy's lunch. Uh, and it wasn't you know a Pacific salmon, whatever, that you find in Costco, either. It was you know a couple of sardines, maybe. Uh, and they're like, hey, Jesus, we've got this. And, and they're like, and Jesus is like, yeah, that's cool. And proceeds to feed the 5,000 people. Now now you have to understand, right, we call it the feeding of the 5,000, but the Bible says it was 5,000 men, not including women and children. So if you have 5,000 men, maybe there was 5,000 women, 2.2 kids per household, you're up to like the saddle dome full of, and Jesus is feeding them, and, and all the concessions are closed, and he's got a little bag lunch, and he's feeding the people, and when they're all done and they're all full, there's 12 baskets full leftover of stuff to go to the food bank. And while Peter's not specifically mentioned perhaps as being there, the disciples were there, so Peter was there experiencing that, and there's all sorts of stories too about Jesus healing the sick, and he makes the lame to walk again, and he makes the blind to see, this casting out of demons. Peter's there and seeing all this stuff going on. And so we get to sort of chapter 14, a little bit later, and, and the disciples are on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. There's a couple of stories about the disciples being on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And they're in the boat, uh, and the Sea of Galilee, it, it's, right, like you see, it's like a great lake, right? It's, it's big and sufficient that you know, it can have waves, decent waves, and, and so they're in the boat, and Jesus comes out to them walking on the water. Now in Alberta we can do that this time of year because the water's frozen, but the Sea of Galilee doesn't freeze, so Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter calls out to him. And I'm like, imagine my mind, like, with waves. And Peter, hey, Jesus. How does he even hear him? But anyway, he hears him. And he says to Jesus, if it's really you, call me to come to you. So Jesus goes, sure thing, Peter, come on. So Peter steps out of the boat and he's walking on water. How cool is that? He's walking on water. I'm like, can you imagine? And he's walking towards Jesus and he's walking on water but he takes his eyes off the Savior for half a second and he looks and he goes, I'm walking on water, and he starts to sink. Jesus save me, he calls out, and Jesus reaches out his hand and saves Peter. You go on just a a few verses further from that or a couple chapters later, and Peter and the disciples are there and and Jesus calls them aside away from everybody else and he says, hey, I got a question for you guys. He says who are the people saying that I am? What do people say about me? Now, some of the other disciples, they're on pretty safe ground because they know the answer to this one because they've heard what people are saying. And, And they say, well, some say you're Elijah or one of the prophets, and they're good. And then Jesus pulls out the other one. He says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Well, of course, most of the disciples are like, I don't want to answer that, because I don't want to get it wrong. I can say what other people say, but I don't, except for Peter, of course, because Peter is bold, and Peter is fearless, and out of that, he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replies, blessed are you, Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. This is Peter. This is the experience that Peter has. A couple verses later, then. Jesus begins to explain that Friday is coming, the Friday. The Friday that you and I refer to as Good Friday, which in many cases seems to have a lot of bad in it, Jesus starts to explain that his time on earth is coming to an end and he will be arrested, he will be convicted, and he will be put to death. And Peter starts to understand what Jesus is saying and he says, surely not, Lord, and starts to rebuke Jesus. I don't know if he was a bit buoyed on his success of his win with you are the Christ, the son of the living God, but Jesus turns around and rebukes Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. The last three chapters of of Matthew, uh, they start to tell the story of Jesus' last couple weeks uh, on earth. And so we get to these, these last chapters, and, and Peter, we have seen, and Peter has experienced all this stuff. He has been bold, he has been fearless, he has stepped out, he has spoken, he has acted, he has done all these things, recognizing he is in the presence of, of God, it appears. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it comes to that Thursday night, they're having dinner, we call it the Last Supper. And they finish that up and they go out into the garden of Gethsemane. And then the soldiers come to arrest Jesus just as he said it would happen. And part of that story it says that Peter drew a sword and cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. Now I thought Peter was a fisherman so where he got a sword from I'm not entirely sure. Um, I said in first service, I think Peter would have done well in Texas. Hey, hon, we're going to the restaurant. Got my wallet, got my keys, got my sidearm. We're good to go. And so he shows up to the Last Supper, and he's got a sword from somewhere. Uh, and, and he pulls out the sword, and he, off goes the ear of the servant of the high priest. And I'm not sure if that's because he was really good with the sword or really bad with the sword, um, that he managed to slice off the ear. But the ear goes onto the ground, and I kind of sometimes imagine this thing. And I can just see Jesus kind of going, Peter, like man, and he stoops down, and he picks up the thing, and and sticks it back on, and, and it's like the ear has never been gone. And this is Peter's experience. This is Jesus, who he has been traveling with for three years. And then he realizes that it's serious, and the soldiers are here to take Jesus away. And the Bible tells the disciples flee. And somewhere along the way, though, Peter decides he's going to follow along because he's Peter and see what's going on. And so Peter follows along, and we come to, to Matthew chapter 26, uh, beginning at verse 69. And Jesus has been arrested, and he's been taken to the house of the, the high priest, and in the midst of this, the trial of Jesus is going on. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. I'm like, whoa, Peter. You're the guy that left the nets to follow Jesus. You're the one that proclaimed him to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the one that watched him feed, you know, the saddle dome full of people. You're the one that watched him cast out demons, uh, heal the sick, make people walk who couldn't, make people see who couldn't. And now you're saying, I don't know him? Then he went out to the gateway, Peter went out to the gateway, where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. Throws in a few four-letter words there. I don't know who this man is. I'm like, Peter, you do know who he is. You, you declared him to be the Christ, the son of the living God. You saw him, you know, heal the sick, cast out demons, feed heaps of people. You don't know who he is. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely, you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. We know where you're from. Now, my accent doesn't usually give me away until I start to read out loud, and then my accent gives me away, because there's a few words I can't say, because I was originally born in England, and you all have an accent. English people don't have accents, so I've gained an accent coming to Canada. But... They knew where he was from because he spoke kind of funny. And they knew that Jesus was from Galilee. And the disciples said, hey, you're a Galilean and you're in Jerusalem and you speak funny, so you must be with Jesus, right? And he calls down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, the rooster crowed. (laughs) Immediately, for all, the the rooster crowed. And it's kind of like time stands still. So if you're not familiar with the story, you're like, that's a bit weird. They put in about a rooster crowing because Jesus has said to Peter, before the rooster crows three times, sorry, before the rooster crows, you will deny me not once, not twice, but three times. And Peter said, not going to happen, Lord, not going to happen. And the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. For all his impulsiveness, for all his boldness, for all his fearlessness, Peter has denied knowing the Christ, the son of the living God. The one that he proclaimed as such, the one that he had seen performed miraculous signs and wonders, He has just declared that he doesn't know him and he went outside and he wept bitterly. Why did he weep bitterly? Well, because he knew that he had just betrayed his friend. But it's Friday. And on Friday, Jesus died. On Friday, Jesus were nailed to a cross and killed the way they killed common criminals And Peter has denied him three times, and there is no way to say, I'm sorry, because Jesus is dead. And the Bible tells us that from noon till three, darkness covered the entire land. It's supposed to be sun, daytime, but darkness covered the land. And I'm pretty sure that would have reflected Peter's mood on that Friday because it was Friday and there was nothing good about it as far as Peter was concerned. Peter's not the only one. We could have spoke about Mary, the mother of Jesus as well. Friday was not a good day for Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, the mother of the one who'd been killed hanging on the cross. Mary, who'd given birth to a miraculously conceived son. Mary, who'd been told about this by an angel I haven't been visited by angels, it must be quite amazing, by an angel. Mary, whose birth, uh, who, who's, who's experience there with Jesus being born, the birth had been celebrated by shepherds. Her baby, who had been worshipped by wise men from the east, bringing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Her baby son, my mom still calls me her baby, and I'm like, you know, not. Her baby is hanging on, hanging on a cross, he's dead, they've killed him. She would remember, like, in the night, Joseph coming on, Mary, Mary, got to get up. We got to go. We got to go to Egypt because they're going to kill Jesus. And she'd got up and grabbed the gold and the frankincense and myrrh, chucked them in her purse and whoosh, off they'd gone to Egypt. And she'd come back from Egypt. She'd remember losing him in the, in the, in the temple. And then she'd also, I mean, this is, this is Mary, who at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, when they were running out of the good stuff, had said to the host, um, see the boy over there? That's, that's my son Jesus, just go tell him and he'll fix it. This is Mary, she knew who her son was. She had seen him turn water into wine. She had been there when he had healed the sick and, and uh, given sight to the blind, uh, cast out demons. But he was dead and it was Friday and darkness covered her land. What about Mary Magdalene? Mary Magdalene, lots of stories about who Mary Magdalene was. What we do know for sure is that Mary Magdalene had the seven demons inside her, and Jesus had cast them out. Jesus, who had freed her from demon possession, which is like a whole other kind of thing. It wasn't just a little sickness. She was demon. And Jesus had saved her from that. He had cast out the demons. And Jesus, who had saved her from that life of torment, was dead and gone. And it was Friday, and it was horrible, and darkness covered her entire land. John the disciple. John the disciple at the foot of the cross with Mary the mother of Jesus looking up. John who is listed as the disciple whom Jesus loved. I don't know if he loved him better than the others but there was some special relationship there between Jesus and John and his best friend is dead. He's been nailed to our cross. He has been vilified. He has been beaten and he is on a cross and for John Friday there was nothing good about it. It was black and darkness covered the land. How about Judas? We don't talk about Judas much in church. Judas is the bad guy. But you gotta remember, Judas did the bad thing. He betrayed Jesus as did Peter. And Judas recognized that this had happened. And he went back to the chief priests and to the, the Pharisees and the leaders of the church and he said, here's the money that you paid me to betray Jesus I don't want it anymore, I got it all wrong. And they said, don't care, we got what we wanted. And it was Friday, and it was truly black as far as Judas was concerned. It's Friday, and Jesus is dead, and darkness covers the entire land. Here's the problem. Saturday was coming. And as bad as Friday is, when the bad thing happens, and we've all had bad things happen to us, as bad as it is when the thing happens on Friday, Saturday comes. And Saturday can be worse because we recognize now hope is gone. We wake up Saturday morning and it's not a bad dream, it's reality. My son has been crucified, my best friend is dead. I have uh, given up on the one that I swore was the Christ. And it's real. And it's Saturday. And there is no hope because Jesus is dead. And it's over. And Saturday is almost worse than Friday. Because hope is gone. But just as certainly as Saturday follows Friday then Sunday follows Saturday. And it's Sunday. We read in the Bible that on the first day of the week, see, you and I know what happened on Sunday. It's why we come to church on Sunday. But they didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, Jesus tried to tell them, but they kind of didn't listen. All they knew is that Friday, Savior, mentor, friend, son was dead. And Saturday, they couldn't do anything about it. Because Saturday was the Sabbath, the day of rest from the, from the start of creation, the day of rest. Jews didn't do anything on Saturday. You certainly didn't deal with a dead body. So Jesus, at the end of Friday, bad as it was, they'd thrown him into a cave, rolled a stone in front so the critters wouldn't get in, and he'd left there. And they woke up Sabbath on Saturday. And not only did they have to just deal with the fact that Friday had happened, they couldn't even do busy work because they weren't allowed to. So the first day of the week... Bible tells us the disciples were hiding away, locked up for fear of the Jews, and the ladies snuck out. The ladies snuck out to go get the body ready for burial. And so they took the stuff they needed to do, because now it was Monday, it was, it was Sunday morning, the first day of the week, and now they could do the thing they were going to. So they get to the garden, to the place wherever it was, the cave that they'd thrown Jesus into, the tomb, they didn't really throw him in, right? That they'd placed Jesus in. And they got there And as if Friday hadn't been bad enough with Jesus being dead and living through it. With Saturday not having been bad enough because the recognition that Friday was real and hope is gone, Sunday was almost worse because they got to the tomb and it was open and the body of Jesus was gone and they couldn't even give it a decent burial because there was no body to be found. Where has he gone? Now you and I talk about Sunday. Up from the grave he arose. But they didn't know, right? It was the first Easter Sunday. All they knew is the body was gone. And it's Sunday, and we know that Jesus defeated death in the grave, but they didn't. And there's Mary Magdalene, the Bible tells us, outside, and she's sitting there. She's snuck out, and she's gone there with her stuff to prepare the body of Jesus, the man who saved her from her life of torment with the demons inside her, and she's there And she's crying because he's not there. And she senses a presence beside her. And the Bible tells us that she thought maybe it was the garden or something. She says, sir, I don't know where you have taken him, but just tell me and I will go and get him. And the person beside her says one word, says, Mary. Mary Magdalene knows in that instant that Jesus is alive. But up until that point, she was so overcome with the grief of Friday. She was overcome with the hopelessness of Saturday that she didn't. She couldn't recognize that it was Jesus who was standing beside her. The Bible goes on to tell us it was two people on on the the roads to Emmaus. They were going from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They were walking from one town to another town and they were discussing everything that had happened. They were reliving the pain of Friday, the struggle of Saturday. They were telling each other about about what had gone on and sharing their pain and anguish. And somebody comes alongside them, another traveler on the road. And, And he starts asking them questions like, dude, you have no idea what's been going on in Jerusalem. And he he starts talking to them. But in the pain of their, their suffering from Friday and in their hopelessness of Saturday, they did not realize that it was Jesus who was walking beside them. They couldn't see him, they didn't recognize him. Thomas, Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas. Some of the disciples had seen the risen Savior and Thomas is there in the room with them and they say, hey Thomas, Jesus is alive. And he's like, yeah, right. Like you sort of punchline to that joke because it's not very funny. Jesus is dead. I know he's dead. We had that thing on Friday and then Saturday and Jesus is dead and he can't possibly be alive and I won't believe it until I experience it for myself until I see him and I can put my fingers in the holes in his body. And then Jesus appears. But Thomas didn't believe. Mary Couldn't recognize. The people on the road to Emmaus couldn't recognize. Thomas couldn't get past his doubt and believe that Jesus would actually come back from the dead. Pharisees are an interesting one. They'll throw the Pharisees in here as well. They're like, you know, (laughs) the board of elders. Should I say that? The Pharisees. They've been the ones that Jesus has been winding up for the last three years, right? He's been beating them up about, about you know, you've got the Bible and you should know better. You can read it, you can see what's going on there. And they, they just kind of didn't, they got more angry and more angry and more angry at Jesus until they eventually created this plot where they could, they could put him to death. And so Saturday for them, they were feeling pretty good about, about Friday and about Saturday because Jesus was gone. And Sunday's not so good for them because suddenly the report comes that the tomb is empty And they're like, we didn't take the body. The disciples, I'm sure, didn't because they were too scared. The soldiers were like, man, we were there. It was terrifying what was going on. And they, as they had for the last three years, refused to believe that Jesus was alive. Mary couldn't see. Thomas doubted. The Pharisees just plain refused to believe. Judas. (sighs) Jews never got to see Sunday, did he? Because Friday, when he recognized the depth of what he had done, he went out and killed himself because he couldn't believe that there was forgiveness for what he had done. His sin was so great, it couldn't possibly be forgiven, and he went out and killed himself and never got to see that Sunday had come. And then, well, we started with Peter. Peter, the bold, the fearless one. He was locked up in the room with the rest of the crowd too until the ladies came back and said, hey, he's risen, and then pew, Peter's out. Now, it's interesting to it us about Peter and John. Peter was out the door first, but he must have been, I don't know, he wasn't quite as in shape as John, I guess, because I think he sort of got there and then, and then. But the result of all of that, Peter is, he goes in and he sees that the tomb is empty and he sees the, the stuff they'd wrapped Jesus in lying there, and he goes away, and one translation said he was bewildered. In his mind, I, I, I think he, he was slowly getting there, that, that Jesus had talked about this, that he was, and, and I'm you know, sort of reading into it a little bit here, but, but it's like, he, he goes away not quite understanding, because it's like, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Is he really alive? Did, did, is that really what he was talking about? He went away, wondering to himself what had happened, confused, couldn't quite grasp that it was Sunday and Jesus was alive. It's Friday, you know. We all have Fridays. As we we talk about that, we have things that go on in our life that are difficult to deal with. And please, from this... Do not assume that we're making light of whatever it is that you're going through this morning because there's serious stuff that's going on with a lot of you in this building who are watching it online, or are back in the chapel. There's serious stuff that's going on in your life this morning. You have illness in your family that you don't understand. Perhaps it's your little child. Why God, I don't get that. Perhaps you have a bigger view and you're looking around the world and you see stuff that's happening in the world and you're like, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it, God. But but the more personal stuff. Why is it that my kid doesn't? Why is it that my parents won't? Why is it that my boss, why is it that my business is failing? Why did I just lose my job? How am I going to? We have all these questions, all these things that happen on our Friday. These things that make the world seem black. And these events that happen turn into Saturday and Saturday is hopeless. We don't think there can possibly be any way out of this. But Sunday isn't coming, folks. Sunday is here. It's not like the first one where there was Friday and Saturday and then Sunday. In the midst of our Fridays, in the midst of our Saturdays, In the struggle and the pain, Jesus is already here because he has already risen from the dead. He is alive. The tomb is empty, and not because somebody stole his body, because he came back to life just as he said that he would. And in our Fridays and in our Saturdays, the question is not, is Jesus there? The question is, do you recognize that he is there? Are you willing to see that he is there? Do you just doubt that he is there? Do you not want him to be there? 2012, and this is a whole message for another time, there was some events that happened in, in my life that it was probably one of the most significant Fridays in, in my life as I go. Um, and there was stuff that happened, and I was mad. I was angry, I was bitter, I was depressed, and I went through all those range of emotions. I was all those people. Probably first off, I was the Pharisees, because I was angry that God had let this happen. And I didn't want to believe that Jesus was alive because if Jesus was alive, then he couldn't have allowed this stuff to happen and yet he did. And then I doubted, is Jesus really there through this? And then you know, in my head I knew that Jesus was there traveling with me on the road that I was taking, but, but man, I was so mad and bitter and twisted that I couldn't see that he was there. See, I'm not preaching to you. My dad used to say the day I stop preach, uh, preaching to myself is the day I stop preaching. I've been there, I know where you're at. I know the pain, not specifically, but I've been there and I've felt all those things about Jesus. And I have been Thomas and I have been Judas and I have been the Pharisees and I've been Peter, bewildered, trying to figure out where is God in all of this? And here's the thing, he's there, but do you see him? He is there, do you see him? It's Sunday, Mary's son has still been killed on the cross. For her, he's alive. Thomas, Jesus is alive, but he doubted it. That isn't going away, it's still there. Peter denied him, not once, not twice, three times. Just because Jesus rose from the dead doesn't mean that that denial, that betrayal is gone. It's not, it's still there. Just because Jesus risen from the dead doesn't mean that our troubles won't happen. It doesn't mean they mysteriously disappear. It doesn't mean that because we have troubles, Jesus is not there. It doesn't mean because we have troubles, our belief, our faith is low. The Bible tells us Jesus said, In this life, you will have troubles. Not you may, not you might. In this world, you will have troubles. We live in a broken world. There are troubles to be had. There will be Fridays in your life. It's not very encouraging, is it? There will be Fridays in your life. There will be Saturdays in your life. But it is Sunday, folks, and Jesus is risen from the dead, and he is alive, and he is living. And it doesn't matter that you've got a Friday, it doesn't matter that you've got a Saturday, because Jesus is there with you in your Friday and in your Saturday. He is there. Do you see him? Do you see him? Are you willing to recognize that he is traveling with you through the pain and through the suffering? Do you blame him and you don't want him to be there? Do you doubt that he's there? Are you bewildered about how he could possibly be there? All those things are normal, but they don't change the fact that Jesus is there and he will be with you traveling through your pain and traveling through your suffering with you. They are not going to go away. Fridays are a reality, Saturdays are a reality, but unlike that first Sunday, we don't have to wait. It's not Friday and Sunday's coming, it's Friday and Sunday is here. It's Saturday and Sunday is here. Jesus is alive and he is here. Psalm 23, I love Psalm 23, Psalm 23 is awesome. Even though I walk through the darkest valley I will fear no evil for you are with me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley I will fear no evil for you are with me. Notice it doesn't say there won't be a darkest valley. It doesn't say that you get to fly over the darkest valley. I'm going to put that in. It doesn't say you de- fly over the darkest valley. It doesn't say he'll fill in the darkest valleys. He doesn't say he'll take you around the darkest valleys. It says, through the darkest valley, you are with me. Do you see him? Do you see him? Do you see him with you in the darkest valley? We're gonna get the team to come forward and we're gonna sing a song here at the end. We're gonna talk about the resurrected king. You guys can come on up wherever your guitar folks is there. Do you see him? Because he is there. When Mary Magdalene was crying beside the tomb, Jesus was there. When the two guys were walking on the road to Emmaus, Jesus was there. When Thomas was doubting, Jesus appeared. He was there. And Peter? Well, Jesus appeared to Peter in a very special way to restore him but don't be Judas, because there is hope. It doesn't matter what sin you have committed, it doesn't matter what trouble, pain, suffering, trial you're going through, it doesn't matter. Jesus is there, do you see him? Do you see that Jesus is there? Go ahead and stand with me if you would please. I'm gonna drag you a little bit into some of my church background heritage something we don't do at Mount Olive here very often. See, one of the things that we find in church is that we we preach these messages, we we tell these things that we read in the Bible, and we can feel uh, encouraged by it, Uh, we can feel confronted by it, we can say, yes, Richard, you are right, I've got this thing going on, it happened and I'm feeling like I'm living in Saturday and I'm struggling to see that Jesus is there with me. I'm struggling to believe that Sunday has happened and, and the Christ is risen from the dead. And then we say amen and we go out the door and we kind of forget. In my tradition, we always give people a chance to respond what I want you to do is I want you to just bear with me. I want you to close your eyes, bow your head. I don't want you to see whoever's around you because I want this to be private between you and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Joe may have to keep his eyes open to play his guitar, but he won't tell and I'm old enough that I forget what happens. But if you're living in Friday and you're living in Saturday and you're struggling to recognize Jesus beside you, if you're walking through a dark valley and you're finding it hard to believe that Jesus would travel with you. If it's Friday and it sucks, and it's Saturday and it's dark, and you're really doubting that Jesus is there, I wanna pray for you this morning. And all I want you to do is just put your hand up and put it down. I'm not ever gonna remember who you are, some of you don't even know what your name is. But before your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, raise your hand. Maybe you're new and you have no idea what we're talking about. We're talking about Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But you've got hard times. Just because we say we follow Jesus doesn't mean the times are easy. And just because you're starting to follow Jesus doesn't mean the time will be easy. And you're going through tough times as well. And I wanna pray for you as well because Jesus is there beside you. All you've got to do is see him. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the privilege, for the opportunity we have to come into your house and to spend time just focused on you, without the TV, without the phone, without all the other stuff that's going on. God, we thank you that it's Sunday. Not just the day of the week, but it's Sunday. You have risen from from the grave. You are not dead, you are alive. Sunday is not coming, Sunday is here. Oh God, through our struggles that we go through, We pray that you will help us to see you there, to recognize that you are there, to cling to you as you are there, because as you've promised, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because you are with us.